This is Tope Tunes and Talk. We are live. Sitting here in Charlotte, North Carolina. That I'm is Joe correct. and this is Red. That is correct. We're trying out podcasting. We're trying Seeing to come up with do. names. We're trying to figure out good stuff. Cool podcast. I don't know. We're trying to figure out people to uh, Guests. bring in here and uh, guests. get a little bit of exposure. So we're going to do some guests. See what the sound is in here too. That would be something that we will have to proof it a little right. bit. I think to get it. More Honestly, in like that vibe. Uh, from what I can hear live, because these aren't too enclosed anymore, because that right. all that shit's gone. And uh, from what I can actually just hear in the headphones from the actual mic, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh, like that little back. cutout thing right there actually does a lot acoustically, like because right. it, it breaks out the parallel walls. Because parallel walls in, in acoustics are your enemy. Okay. You don't want. Because uh, they have, line up. Uh, straight 90 degree echoes. Back oh, yeah. It's like rogue echoes. Right. So, like, I don't know if you ever noticed, like, if you uh, are in a recording studio, you have the big console and then, like, the dude sitting there in front of it. But behind them, there's usually either a wall with, like, a bunch of spiky stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, like, yeah. curved in some mm-hmm. way. And so the reason why they do that is because so the audio coming from those speakers isn't directly uh, reflected directly back at him. Oh, because interesting. Because if it does, then you'll have like cancellation and stuff. So like if you'd move forward and back, the bass level would change. Huh. And, uh, interesting. Literally, the whole mix would change just huh. from the reflection of the sound behind him. So like, dude, acoustics in a mixing environment are so important. You can't like, get tricked into hearing different things. Right. And like so, like you know, that's why like sometimes like if you're mixing something and you go take out in your card, it sounds totally different right it's because the acoustics of the room you're working in i won't say they suck i'll just say you're not familiar with them right because like a lot of times you know, if you mix on shitty speakers it doesn't matter if you know if you're familiar with them and know what a good mix sounds like on them then it doesn't matter if you have like a, you know twenty thousand dollar speakers or twenty dollar speakers right if you know what they sound like but there's like the the music is relative to the studio it's recorded in relative to uh the uh, speakers it's or output it's listened to when it's mixed and right. then also relative to the room you're listening to it in and right also i mean the room and the uh, the mastering engineer oh wow so yeah there's so many variables because literally what the mastering engineer does is he goes in there and is like uh, he makes it the best possible average for every system. So like mm. he processes it in a way that makes it sound good, like on a mono speaker in the, in the background of a grocery store right. or on a $20,000 set of hi-fi speakers. You wow. Know? Right. That's his job is to balance it and to present it in a way that's like polished and, I know, and final. I know there's a lot of controversy with some albums on how they're mixed and that there's some producers who, um, get kind of slack on how they're mixed, and there's a lot of remasters. Um, this happened a lot in the 80s and 90s, I know, with certain producers where they had kind of a way of producing that was very raw, and then later on people felt like, you know, it wasn't as uh, polished as it could have been. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of the guys who worked with uh, Nirvana on In Utero, they did that, where um, Steve Albini, where a bunch of uh, the tracks that he recorded, they re-recorded, and he wanted to disavow himself from it because it wasn't his final mix so yeah it's like sometimes uh what's considered incorrect you know you know the whole thing of like learning the rules to break the rules you know there's a mm-hmm. lot of rules broken in, in for in the traditional sense with recording in those albums but that's exactly what makes them work and so if you go right. back and try to make it 
correct, you literally kill what it is. Yeah. There's a lot of that where they shine up stuff from the eighties and try to clean it. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Yeah. It's, it was, I mean, I understand they have to do it because it was maybe, you know, eight tracks or 16 tracks and now they have a gazillion well, tracks, with, with, but right. it, well, it, it fidelity true. is one thing if you're just bringing it up to fidelity standard, but it's another thing when they go in there and they change the mix. It's, it true. is. Well, it's and, like, and it's like Lucas changing have, Star Wars. Well, and also one thing to kind of, uh, to be mindful here of is is when you do a remaster you're usually working with uh the final mix that was that's already been you're dealing with like a stereo media and they're just running it through their processors their final processors again to make it sound better right um so if you're doing a remix uh-huh. That's bad when you're going back to the multi-track and you're going back. Okay, so when you're mixing stuff, they use certain effects processors and everything had to be chained in a certain way. Like that's where you get complicated, and oh, you normally yeah. don't see that. Like right. the fact that they wanted to go back on the Beatles stuff, you know, like the the mm. most recent release yeah. of the Beatles stuff. When they wanted to go back and re-release that, they actually wanted to go back and remix some of them. Oh yeah, which literally involves getting a- Abbey Road Studios from 1960s. Yeah, back. no, it was Sir George Martin's son actually and, who right. was overseeing it, and right. there was a lot exactly. of controversy about that. Actually. Right, and so thing. I'm, I, because th- there's some discrepancy also between the mono mixes and the stereo mixes mm. because mm. Uh, uh, I think what they wanted to do is to try to go back and maybe make some of the, the stereo mixes more like the mono because the monos were like the standard they were the right gold. Every, the ev- all the effort was put into the mono mixes because ultimately mm. everything at the time was mono the stereo was it was new it wasn't well adopted yet it, right. they, i don't even think uh radio at the time well you was, couldn't was you had no expectation that, that it could be played that way so right. there was no point in making it for right it. and really the way that their music Makes was sense. written it's meant to be presented mono mm. it's it, it's either meant to be presented mono or in like seven channel surround sound you know when you I hear mean? the like, stereo mixes it's actually off-putting because sometimes just one uh beatles voice is in one channel on one side and it or sounds all the drums really is on weird. one side and they're, the bass is on the they're, other they're mixed just in like, the most curious ways yeah, it seems like because well it's literally like they had four well for the majority of their stuff they had four tracks to work with and so to make a quote-unquote stereo mix if you start you know panning stuff left and right you're not just panning individual instruments you're panning a track that might have like tambourine vocals bass you know like all of this stuff together that you can't separate now because they've all been recorded on top of each other um but uh yeah it makes it it makes it difficult uh, yeah. when, when it's Sorry, like that my train and, of thought and you can't really separate them. Right. But, but oh yeah. So going back. So like, uh, anyway, so with the remaster, like, you know, uh, but I, I know that the release before this one, uh, wasn't so as well regarded. Uh, I think they got a lot of the stuff right this time on this new Beatles release, but the, the last one I know it was just a remaster. So, what they were doing is they're going back and using the original, just two track tapes, which is a hell of a lot easier. But also I think they, uh, track down what was uh, it's called the BTR three, which was the actual machine that was made and designed at Abbey Road. Mm. Um, right, the studios that okay. they used to actually record it in the first place. So they're using an original, not a one off. There were a lot of them made, but it wasn't something that was somebody would have had in their home because I mean, literally, mm. it was the size of like your stove. It yeah, was, it was huge. I mean, and Abbey Road was virtually like a. Uh, uh, a, a science laboratory for audio, really. And with BMI being involved, you know, um, they had all the British 
um, uh, kind of backing behind it. And they were tied so. into what was called his master's voice. I think it was what it was. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like the equivalent of RCA over here. It was their kind of nationalized uh, in a way, in a sense, um, audio, anything dealing with audio or broadcast technology. Mm-hmm. And that was all, if I remember correctly, uh, like his master's voice, like the main factory was just right around the corner from Abbey Road. Mm. And they also did have like a research and development facility and like construction in like or what I call fabricating facilities like on site at Abbey Road, which huh. in the beginning was just a house. It was just a house. Right. And they built so like two or three times retrofit. the size of the house behind it in a neighborhood. You know, literally wow, they yeah. get noise complaints at Abbey Road mm, from wow. the neighbors. Yeah. Because it's not an ideal place for a studio. I but guess they don't just, have zoning like traditionally. Well, I guess maybe maybe they do now. I don't know. Yeah, I, I imagine it's much it, more industrialized I mean, at one point, they, they were able to build it. I mean, I mean, it's touristy now because everyone just walks uh, across well, it's not, that. Yeah, it's so iconic now. walks across that uh, crosswalk there right, the, and the zebra takes crossing, their, shoe, their shoes right? off, you know? Right. Wants to be Paul. But, yeah. So, you've been listening to Carolina Cannabis Music Show. This is uh, your co-host, Red. And I'm here with uh, J-Dog or... Woof, woof. No, formerly no, known as Rhombus. Edit. Formerly <laughs> known as R- Rhombus. <laughs> the artist Call me formerly. <laughs> I'm Rhombus. I am not Rhombus. I'm Rhombus. Like the Russian, you know. <laughs> so, and we're 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 now exploring the engineering and musical side of the Beatles. Dude, the engineering stuff I can talk about all day. What's what's really interesting is. I don't know a lot about artists. I don't know a lot about, like, I know a lot of songs by their sound, not necessarily by their name. Right. Uh, mm. But when it comes to actually recording music and everything, dude, I can tell you anything you want all day long. Maybe not, you know, some of the newer, um, like, how do you cut and edit and paint, or how do you edit stuff this specific way in a modern DW? Right. Uh, you're more into producers than you are right i can into, I, I can uh, i mean i can tell you how the, the, how and why you know a particular mic preamp is better like how you know right. even down to how it's constructed you know the parts right. that they use the the the, the nice. circuit design and the layout that they used and why it's better than this or why it's not better than that and um yeah gears what matters what really doesn't matter you know there's there's a lot a lot of of uh, uh snake oil in the right. audio world you know spending thousands of dollars on a cable that you can spend 20 bucks on and it's but fine. gear yeah. really does drive the music industry i mean it I, is I, just I, the entertainment I, I'm a recovering just, gear slut gear is just the I'm number one thing there's slut. people who have who have no professional uh chance but they buy loads of gear oh, and yeah. there's just it's, you know dude, and it, those um, kind of people piss me off because i'm like you know what motherfucker like you're going out and you're, and you're getting exactly what this fucking poor kid over here who actually would make something with all of that right you're just going in here and buying and that's and i, I feel like that's actually half of why they don't succeed is because mm. they can mm. They, they, they have nothing riding on it. There's right, just exactly. like hey i'm just gonna go buy a bunch of shit we're gonna have some fun and then like two weeks later like Oh, well, that was fun. Just throw it in the fucking garage. You know what I mean? And it just goes and sits. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that with guitars, too, where uh, they call it the doctors and the lawyer guitars, where they're right. so expensive that um, uh, only a doctor or lawyer could afford it. And then they just look at them, they hang them on the walls. And yeah, they become they, they're, they're pieces of art. At yeah, that they're point. fetish they're, objects yeah. almost. You yeah, know? Don't touch it. Don't play it. 
Right. You know, and they're like forbid. a Meyer somebody, and it's like, I'm oh, like, well, I got to have one from Jimi Hendrix. I got to have one from, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Page. I got to have, you know, and so there is a lot of that. And there's, they call it uh, anything acquisition syndrome. I've heard it with a lot of different things where it's just like, they call it gas with guitars, where you're like, I've got gas. And it's like, you just want to collect guitars and get more guitars. So that happens a lot, I think, um, where people start to focus on the equipment more than the art and the creating. Right. Right. And, and what, what I found slope. like for me personally over the years is like the reason, like, cause I did, I focused more on the gear than the music a lot of time. I mean, right. obviously, cause I know the gear more than I know the artist, but at the same time I found out that I was actually, that's because I should have just been approaching it more of an engineer on an engineering standpoint. Okay. It's, and it's just kind of like, uh, I don't know, uh, what a good example would be like, well, it's almost like the Fender guy. Yeah. He didn't play guitar. Right. Leo Fender, yeah. the, the creator guitar, of Fender, but he was, he wasn't a guitar player. what made a great guitar. He was more a technician, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so th- that's kind of the way I feel. It's like, I don't necessarily, you know, oh, I do play the drums and, and I have been in bands and stuff, but like, yeah. I feel like, you know, th- that's what my real passion is when it comes to music is more of the, uh, of the gear. And right. it's not necessarily a gearless thing it's a uh, I, I i love learning the nitty-gritty and the physics about everything right like just well if at one point i was actually building my own gear also okay yeah so you know i built my own microphones and stuff at one point out of nice. uh, i literally used corrugated uh, or i took uh aluminum foil corrugated it hung it in between two magnets you put wow. a transformer on it Whoa. You got, a, got a microphone man. you got a microphone you got a microphone <laughs> that's all it's you get a, literally you, get you just suspend a metal in a magnetic field and you hook wires up to it and it it makes sense. It's like you got a bone, you got a stew. Right? Right. You got a stew. Bone. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You put some onion, you I'm put a carrot you, in there. I'm glad you know that reference. You, put, you got a stew. I'm glad you got a stew. Carl Weathers, right? Yes, He's Carl the man, Weathers, dude. Got, Action Jackson well, himself. Well, you got a stew going. You got a stew going. He's like, you don't waste that. He's like, you won't waste uh, that. That's so funny. That's a great scene. Was that Arrested oh, Development? Yes. I think it is. Yeah, Arrested Development. Yeah. My that's a great probably show. all time favorite team. It's hilarious. I know. With the Ron Howard narrating and it's, it. It's Interestingly, well, interestingly enough, it's aged well. I mean, and yeah. it actually, it's kind of a testament to also the the, the bringing it them bringing it back. What ten years later? Oh yeah, it's super memeable too. Right. Uh, the, well, I mean, the, it that, is the that, most what we were just talking joke about. Dense, like it's one of those things where like if you laugh at one joke, you just miss yeah. three. They have so many of the things where they do. He's he's like he's like I'm gonna go out and uh and start a new business and and do really well and then it cuts to Ron Howard and he's like he didn't you know right, <laughs> I right, love that yeah, it's just dude, like that's so, yeah I know. that's he's my favorite thing like, he's such this like passive the dead fan like, but funny yeah the narrator is so funny in that. And uh, it's classic that he's the one uh, narrating too because he's a child actor you know. <laughs> and I don't remember exactly when. You found out that it was really Ron Howard, unless I'm sure people did recognize oh, it yeah, by his voice right. at the beginning. But I distinctly remembering, or I distinctly remember not knowing it was him mm. until watching a very good chunk of it on Netflix. Right. Because I, I didn't actually, I didn't watch it back when it was out on Fox. I watched yeah. it, uh, I discovered it like around 2012. Okay. On Netflix and just binge the fuck out of it. Right. And I just That's remember, a great show. like, especially there's like the, my, Favorite uh-huh. episode of all time, probably from that show, is the one where uh, it's the Godzilla episode. Do you remember that? I don't that? know if I remember this. Where one. oh gosh, it's like, and it's I'm just sitting here realizing that to to really 
tell you or try to brief. There's no brief way to describe these episodes because there's so many setups and there's so many things that they're only funny because you knew about these two or three other things that happened before it. Right. So like, but essentially, essentially there's a, uh, a mix up at a couple of packages and his kid winds up getting a jet pack that was meant for somebody else. Uh And there was another package that was a mole suit that was meant for his kid. Uh Um, and yeah, that doesn't sound funny in the slightest. Ends up wearing the like, wrong. I just didn't realize <laughs> that. I was like, oh god, now I got to tell you about these other four. Other, and like, we would, I would probably spend more time describing the episode than it would take to watch it. Right. No. Yeah. It's tough. It's you know complicated. I mean? uh, show how it's edited and with the dynamic of the family and everything. Oh gosh. And, you know, yeah. And I mean, there's so many jokes that are just like on running throughout the entire that's show. True. You know, like the that's whole I blew my, you know, his yeah. Blue Man Group thing. Uh-huh. Tobias and the banana and stand and yeah. And the, 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 yeah. Right. There's always money. In uh, so there's yeah there, and i feel like uh the the whole narration is a is a callback to um either uh the wonder years how uh daniel stern he he narrated that or and kind of uh stand by me because th- that's the stephen king one that. it's a stephen king movie it's got river phoenix in it and it's all about oh you want to go see a dead body and then they have a whole narration and it's richard dreyfus um and mm. those they just are like known for how great the narration is and it sound it has that feeling but then it's such a comedy so it's, it's not like a coming of age you know right thing well, so it's, it's funny, the perfect kind of like I love how like stylistic uh, mix up right like what you're saying on the on arrested belt where like he just like he he toots his own horn about how good of a narrator he is like you know, it's well, like fourth wall. Was, There's a lot of fourth wall breaking. I think there, and, that was more actually in the 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 Netflix the ones, one. the newest yeah. ones. I don't really because I I literally think I remember because I think at one point he does kind of reveal himself in the show as to who he is, mm. and that I think that's when I realized it. But it's later on, and so yeah, I think they played up played that up more later, right? When they redid the Netflix ones, which like. Well done too. Like I, I can honestly say, the very first new season that they did, it took like mm-hmm. it's hard to get through those first couple or oh, three. Yeah. I, I'll admit that because they filmed them weird. A, there's an expectation there, like especially yeah. if you've just kind of come off binging the last. Oh, day, you know, yeah. you, if you're fresh, like they they went off strong. You know, their mm-hmm. best episodes were the very like yeah, la- in the very last show. season, in my opinion. Exactly. Um, uh shit i just lost but no the whole the whole thing Uh, with the new ones is what i heard is they had a hard time to make them happen and the only way that they made them happen is they had to film all the actors separately separately, right so there's not a lot of interaction no chemistry it's kind of like a disconnected you're seeing different people but you're not seeing but once i actually once i started realizing what they were doing where they were literally telling the same story through a lot of different perspectives Mm -hmm. and like literally they were almost able to tell the same jokes two or three times but like they were funny two or three different ways Right, it was, right. it, but you had to get kind of to the end to realize what they were doing and well done. Yeah. Like, they did a great job. Yeah. I mean, I they think. were able to bring it back and at I mean, least they, they did gave, it for another season after that. So. Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's always a toss up bringing a show back. There's always a danger of it not living up to expectation and the, it being stale and most people's memories of things are much fonder than the actual reality. Like I used to think Seinfeld no, would right. never like go whole, stale. The, the whole nostalgic kind of. Yeah. Well, like what the I want to know is, because in my opinion, it was, it was light years, leaps and above everything else, like on every level. Like it was just, right. it was so well done and so well written and so well acted. Mm-hmm. How did it fail? Because I mean, do you remember in the third season, 
it was three seasons, right? I Originally, think so, yeah. The whatever first the last three, season, like yeah. they were literally like legitimately like, please tell people about our show, yeah. you know, please pe- tell people to watch, and like no, they were doing like gimmicky stuff. It was it was like, on fake Fox, commercials and, stuff. and Fox is a finicky thing. I know it's they've canceled tons of stuff and that brought it back. That might have been it right there. They weren't on the mate, the big three. They they've uh, they canceled Family Guy. They canceled Futurama. That's um, right, and brought the, them all back with the Comedy Central. Yeah, that's and right. uh, both of those actually were canceled and brought back, and they've canceled tons of stuff and brought it back um it just seems like they're really inconsistent they'll they'll start a show and then within a season or two just like eh, yeah. we'll just do something else yeah. and but then look at the simpsons they just can't stop oh, <laughs> showing God, it dude i can't believe that, that show has been around for 31 it's years just not now. the same show anymore man it's, it's so not. ridiculously it's different it, but it, it needs to die i think you know oh, dude, they we, made a movie one, one uh episode uh, idea right here what we should go into is the whole Simpsons conspiracy about how they predicted the future on a lot of shit. Oh yeah. Because like look, I, I, I granted I'm a little bit more prone to conspiracy theories than okay. but I, I just I want to believe this stuff because a lot of it's just really cool. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time there have been some like legitimate weird shit like there's yep, some yep. kind of equation that appears on a chalkboard or something just randomly one of the episodes turned out to be some kind of like uh-huh. nobel prize winning oh fucking solution for something huh i know i've seen some stuff and i think what um at least i have a little bit of a theory on this too now that you mention it it's funny is that um i actually think that it's a half and half but it might fall more on one side and i think it's actually is it is it predicted or inspired? Because this is, I have this theory about like okay. literature and media mm-hmm. is that um, a rocket becomes a real thing because somebody writes a science fiction novel right, like, about uh, it in the I, 40s I or the 30s name, or some yeah, shit. Uh, a lot of NASA's modeled after that guy's book. I like think Arthur of. C. Clarke. Oh, yes, yes. So Arthur C. Clarke's a futurist and, and there's people who are futurists and what they are, they're essentially science fiction writers who focus on near future, the more possible future. And I really do believe that people are inspired by, and this kind of scares me about stuff like Terminator and things like that, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Hopefully, it's, it's not like, universally. Well, a, a, yeah. did you know that there's a there's a company called Cyberdyne, and there's a company, and there's a there's a program called make? Skylab, or, I know or about Sky, Skylab, Sky whatever, not Skylab. It's called Skynet. Skynet. And right. here's the other thing. I swear to you, Boston Robotics. I swear I know, to you, right? are they not going to make a Terminator? Dude. Come on, they guys, they're going to do that. "Quote unquote dog." You, if they're showing thing, us that dog, like, what's behind the door? Like, that, that's going to that, that's going to end the human race. Right what's there? behind the doors, though? You know what? Right? Aren't they showing you? You know, <laughs> yeah, I'll be right. back. You know, type stuff. And so I'm, on top of that, I get afraid of that stuff a little what bit. What does the military have? Well, yeah, that's what I say about the XR seventy one. They probably got full on freaking Matrix if, suits. If they can, if they can reveal really high end like spy types technology. That's a flex to say, like, think about what we're not showing you, right. bro. Yeah, you like, know, see that we can show Dang you this shit. and we don't even care about right. it. Like we're throwing this out. I was just like when they can... released the stealth, you know, the F-117. Oh, yeah. Just like, oh, OK. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't even worry about it. That ain't nothing. All the X series and the SR, but, uh, the Blackbirds. And, but one thing I've been considering lately is I want to add a third option here okay. is that what if. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who's the, the, the guy, the main guy that does it? Matt the Groening? Simpsons. Simpsons, Matt Groening, yeah. Matt Groening. So mm-hmm. what if him, and I feel like uh, uh, the guy that does uh, King of the Hill. Um, Mike Judge. Mike Judge. I feel like both of them right. 
maybe not necessarily have like inside information or may, might oh not no Seth MacFarlane uh, Seth MacFarlane has predicted a lot of stuff that's creepier actually I, I, okay far well, creepier actually, I feel like this strengthens my argument now because really I, what I feel like they are are they're just people that genuinely understand human nature and human behavior right. so they just kind of know that okay. Because normally in a story, mm-hmm. we kind of judge it on, oh, well, how realistic is it in a way, like to human yeah. nature? They're like, oh, well, you know, if something happened, like, oh, he wouldn't really do it's that. It's willing suspension of disbelief. Right. That, that's what fiction is. Really and like, yeah, yeah. I really feel like yeah. a lot of their stuff is so true to human nature that literally the story just, it kind of tells the story of human nature and has kind of run a parallel just because they understand humans so well. Yeah. That they, and they write these episodes about how shit, because I mean, honestly, if you watch The Simpsons, they they tell you how shit really is. I mean, it's right. funny, but I, and it's they strip it's things down in a but like right, and, and and they really break down you know complicated like you know realistic situations like in, in your a comical, face type comedy right in a, in a in a comical surrealistic almost kind of way, but almost in a more accurate way sometimes yeah. because like you're seeing like the true distilled like through somebody else's eye right well they can you they can uh, use like that as a eye, mouthpiece i have a skilled observer right put it that right way. and they can use that as a mouthpiece like that's what i know seth mcfarlane right, does right. seth mcfarlane has associated himself with the dog brian in family guy and most of what brian says is directly what seth mcfarlane believes in and right um, yeah. uh, there's no filter there but then there are skits in Family Guy that's that's eerie about like he's essentially heard rumors or he it's almost virtually confirmed in Hollywood and he's actually leaking some stuff that's kind of like oh yeah it's a well known thing that Kevin Spacey's like into kids and so and so there's an episode where um, Stewie comes running out of a basement and says help 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 I just I just was kidnapped and and uh, you know held against my will by Kevin Spacey or something you know oh, and it's just shit. like whoa so just like little how, hidden how on point is that he's just throws I those mean, in there dude yeah. if you gotta you gotta think too the cutaway is the perfect medium for that exactly you just do a random just oh it's just a random bullshit it just joke. seems random and funny oh, kind of maybe not always but, but though, it's always but... like and they say with Hollywood it's always like think about the guys who like don't when they show up at the red carpet they never show up with a wife or a girlfriend and then watching it and then but i know but it's like a thing where some for pr it used to be back in the day that you'd always like have a a woman that was the whole michael jackson and lisa marie they were like you need to come off as like more masculine or something so marry a woman you know it was kind of like huh you know you don't know if it's pr you don't know if it's like it's all about public public image with them man and what they think people but yeah, Prefer, or the mass, per, the 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 majority prefers right. that way because they're looking for the most money. But honestly, I do ultimately. believe the the Simpsons do, does inspire uh, more than it predicts. Like some yeah. of it is just like, oh well, you know, this is something that could happen. Just like there's things that inspire people to. Uh, um, uh, come up with, you know, new, new inventions and new, you know, science uh, experiments. The same thing applies true that if someone can write it, someone can dream it, you know, mm-hmm. someone can think it, someone can try to make it uh, mm-hmm. real. And it's like maglev stuff and aerogel and all uh, the different new technologies well, out what's, there. What's interesting feel like too, are, like even just like little things in the Simpsons, like the donut. Right. Well, the donut literally like uh, th- they're starting to realize that you know the, the or if you look at what the probability cloud of an electron or uh, i'm sorry of a if a hydrogen atom is like where the electrons okay. are yeah it's a donut oh interesting it's the literally a donut it. it's a torus like the torus is the shape of the of a normal magnetic field like if you lay down you know like the the uh magnet on the iron filings kind of thing makes a shape yeah yeah it makes a torus yeah that's like uh, the, yeah. That's a whole. Um, so almost I wonder, like a I wonder if that was just like too. something that 
was intentional if there's a connection mm. there you know because right, the whole nuclear right. and you know him being the nuclear engineer and the donuts and everything like that yeah and there like, could be you know i don't know, you know there just could be some hidden, hidden symbols is that hidden or is it not well you know if you want to get really conspiracy theory they say that matt groaning or graining or graining or however you say his name it's I'm, not groaning not it's sure. graining i'm pretty sure it doesn't okay. sound like it looks i'm not sure but but regardless the creator of the simpsons has actually been found to be on the log flights to the epstein uh island so if you want to get conspiracy theory there's actually there's actually a rumor even or something leaked that one of the girls said that she massaged his feet or something like he's got some weird well, what foot that thing. tells me now so it's weird is that but okay. this is all rumor and hair well, say i, really I don't like, know this okay. i'm not reporting okay. it well not even, not even by going any means the, the, the naughty route here let's okay. just go Take with what that. what that what that implies but, but the epstein thing is a proof though they have proof of okay that. so that's what, that, what that implies though is he is in communication with people that know Think big things, yeah. or that are very much powerful people, and yes, powerful, powerful and wealthy. So he people. knows inside shit, and so in other words, maybe that, maybe The Simpsons is an outlet for a lot of the stuff that he hears. Man, don't know. May, may, they do have a whole weird pagan if he's society. With Epstein, that means he's probably with you know he's probably seen Clinton. They, they which, represent you know, all of the secrets. They represent and, all the evil people in The Simpsons as almost like a an, uh, uh, a legion of doom, like uh, yeah, like cult society. Yeah. And they, and Mr. Burns is of course at the head of it, you know, and yes. it's like all the rich people are kind of there. And so they do kind of, I, I do feel like uh, what we were talking about earlier, that sometimes these things are mouthpieces where people can say and show or do things that maybe you couldn't do in a traditional sense. It'd be like, whoa, this is weird. But in a cartoon, it's, it's like it's permissible. Cool. It's right. like funny it's or weird. It's already, or odd, it's not, already you know? not real. Right. And so it's like, and they might be replicating a lot of it. And it's a lot of projection, you know, art imitates life mm. is how it works. You know, is, is, is people live those lives. They know about the rich, the powerful people, you know, I mean, who knows, maybe Groening sees uh, himself as uh, Mr. Burns, you know, and he's part of that <laughs> evil legion and he knows about, or maybe that's a representation of someone else in society like uh, Bezos or, uh, um, or, or a gate, God, you know, so, so he's got the yeah. No, to me, it, to me, it's Elon Musk and Bezos would be like See, the Musk two. To me, seems too. He just seems like a Bond villain. He's, he's got, so Bond villainy. But he's got that that, that name, that, that name, I'm, dude. He's got that like kind of the the innocence though. I think him. that's a con. That's what I love about it. You think so? You yes. think that's put on? I that's don't... the beauty is that it's always in James Bond that the that the guy who's the villain he seems like a great entrepreneur or he seems like this great person or he has. States, or he seems like a, a important person, and Bond just always sees through his shit. He always knows that it's like, nah, this guy's not good. He's the villain, you know. I've been sent here to kill him, you know. Uh, and it's he, he always has a name like Zane or something, or Bezos or Musk. Mm -hmm. Like I swear, just he it, definitely has a super villain. The name, name is sure. just like on paper. It just right. doesn't even make sense. None of it does. It sounds like you're like describing a cologne or something. You yeah. know, it's like I, yeah. It well, it sounds like a, a, a like a cologne war by like. North Carolina alumni. You there know, you go. Like, Elon College. Right. right. Exactly. Elon is up in uh, near uh, Greensboro in Burlington. Right. Um, yeah. And I got a buddy that went there. He was actually, he went, he took their media program there. And, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, he went there out of state and he went out and spent like a hundred grand. Whoa. On his degree. For that college? Yeah. Ouch. And, <laughs> Let me get the ouch button. <laughs> and, right, and and now he's working. And in uh, in no way am I trying to put him down. Like uh, if he's doing what he wants to do, more power to him. But he's working at a TV station, and yeah, and I know he can't be making a lot of money. 
doing, you know, because, I mean, TV, especially now, you know, there's even less support for now. What the Sorry, I'm doing hell weird sound that? effects now. All I heard was, like we've got with us uh, Kenny G. Kenny G just came in the studio, guys. <laughs> Sexy woman. Wow, that is not <laughs> even close. These are <clears> my voice is not doing it tonight. These are ridiculous. Some of these flute solo. <laughs> oh my All god! Right, I'm about ready to cut it, man. Yeah, pretty good. All right, guys, we've had a lot of fun today, and we just want to thank you for listening to Toke Tunes and Talk. And check us out next week for our new, fresh podcast. We will see you then.